Hello everybody and welcome to the Glow Glow Podcast Live with me, Kel Quinn, as always. And joining me today is one of my regular co-hosts, Chris Nugent. How's it going, Chris? Not too bad, Kai. Pretty good. Good to be here. Doing good. Fantastic. Um, okay, um, there hasn't been many games to talk about recently, as everyone knows. So there has been a lot of news, though. Um, and obviously we're hopeful that we will get a game on the 27th of December. Um so the first bit of news that I'm going to talk about is that United, it has been reported that United will be searching for a holding midfielder in January. Um, we did talk about potential um, targets previously um, the last time you were on, and that was uh, Hydera from Red Bull Leipzig, Jude Bynum and Calvin uh, Phillips from Leeds. Um, there was another name is now being added to that list um, in terms of potential signings in that area, and that is Kamara from Marseille. Um, he's, a, he's a young lad who's out of contract in the summer, so he will be available for around ten million in January. Um, he's got loads of suitors around Europe, um, including the likes of AC Milan and uh, Barcelona, and a few of the Premier League teams as well. I don't I, I don't pretend to know a great deal about him but i do know that um he is he is a talent that many people who have seen him they do rate him and if if ralph rates him then i'm all for it get him in in january so do you think that uh our first priority on the new manager should be a new old midfielder i certainly think so yeah i do think so Kat. i think we've been talking about this for uh, a couple of seasons now and I think, um, yeah, it's been a priority for quite a long time that we get a that we get a hold midfielder in, and it hasn't happened up to now. Um, not really exactly sure why it hasn't happened up to this point because, like you say, it definitely seems to be a priority, and I think it has been for a while. Um, I think that previous uh, managers, uh, so Shard said, I thought it was a priority. Uh, Ralph Rangnick clearly still thinks it's a priority, uh, and hopefully we can actually get it done now um, and get the, get somebody in who's going to uh, shore things up in that position. Um, yeah, it's definitely a priority, and hopefully we can we can try and get that resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely, because we're obviously a bit short in that area. Maddox is at the end of his career. McTominay and Fred aren't out-and-out number sixes. They're more like box-to-box midfielders, and obviously there's a question mark over their, their, their quality as well. Um, so, yes, we need to recruit in that area. Um, now, apparently... Ralph also wants to sign Erling Holland. Was this not a surprise? Because when he was working at the Red Bull organization, he brought him from Molde to Red Bull Salzburg. So he's very familiar with the player. Um, now the question I'm going to pose to you, Chris, is: Is Holland we know is one of the best strikers in Europe, and he will be he will be around for a long, long time to come, given that he's only about twenty one. Um, you'd probably be the new Lewandowski. Um, the question is, is is he going to be worth the hassle of bringing in another Minariola client? Now, we've seen the trouble that Minariola has caused with Paul Pogba at the club, and that still hasn't been resolved. So is Holland good enough to, to ignore Minariola's you know, drawbacks? I think that is a good question, and I think that is the burning question, Kyle. And I think that most people's um, gut feeling on Minareola would be that they would rather not um, have to do business with him. Um, 
That said, if we take Pogba as the example, um, I do personally feel that Paul Pogba, um, rightly or wrongly, positionally wise, has never quite fitted at Manchester United. Um, I think there's been debates about that for years, about what's his best position, how do managers get the best out of him. And it's never really happened. It didn't happen under Mourinho. It didn't happen under um, Sochar. And so I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that um, I think that Pogba's problems started on the pitch. And I think that uh, Raiola will always back up his client. Um, it's what he does. It's probably why some of these guys like him as their agent. And I do think that he sometimes will agitate if he thinks it's the right thing. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, one, I wouldn't excuse uh, some of Pogba's misdemeanors to say that it's all down to Mineraola. And two, I would hope that a player who was better suited to the team and was having better form on the pitch would have less need for his agent to be quite as involved in these types of kind of um, you know, briefings against the club, etc., and um, that were going on during uh, have went on during Pogba. So I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is I would hope that he is worth the hassle. Uh, I mean, I was looking earlier at his, his stats and uh, for Dortmund, and I think he scored something like 76 goals in 74, 75 games. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. More goals than games for a guy who's what 21 is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, those are those are Messi and Ronaldo type numbers. Like it's really, really he's clearly an unbelievable talent. And you would hope that a player like that would A, be worth it because of how good he is, and two, he would be happier um, because of how well he's doing. And I would hope that that would mean that Rayola would be less of an issue. So I guess I'm saying, yeah, I, I think he would be worth it. Even the, the 40 million commission that Minerayola is looking for? <laughs> <laughs> that's just Rayola's that's just standard stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're working for United... Um, and I was, I was again. I was, I was reading the thing earlier, and I was saying that, um, or apparently, uh, somebody reported that Minerio's main issue at Manchester United was Ed Woodward. Um, that was the person he didn't get on with. I can see exactly why that would be the case because somebody like Ed Woodward, to give him his dues, um, is a, he's a shrewd businessman. Whether he's a football man is another debate, but he's a shrewd businessman. Certainly, he knows money, and he knows that Rayola um, puts the arm in and tries to rip clubs off. But I guess you would say that Manchester United and our owners can afford these types of fees. Um, and you would hope that somebody like, uh, say, Holland, I mean, he is somebody, if he's on course at the minute to be what, you know one of the top players in the world, not in the top 10, you're talking the top two or three, based on those kind of numbers he's outputting now, that maybe you would break the bank for somebody like that. So, um, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's, yeah, it feels like a ripoff, and it probably is. But you know, Holland just might be somebody who might actually repay that fee. Yeah, it would have to be the best striker in the world. You no, know, to get into bed with Rayola again for another five or six years. And um, yeah, Holland is certainly at that level. So yes, I definitely would consider it. Even though I'd rather that we hired absolutely no Rayola clients once Paul leaves the club, and um, because we know what a nightmare he is, and I understand that. Guardiola can't stand the man either. We know that Fergie can't stand him, and um, with good reason. Um, okay, if anyone joining us live, please feel free to leave a comment and join in the debate and leave us a wee like on the video. Hi to Nell Kane, who's watching live with us. Um, okay, coming on to an, another bit of news, just moving upstairs a wee bit. Richard Arnold uh, is going to be the new uh, CEO, and we haven't had an official CEO since David Gill left the club. Um, Ed Woodward will continue on a consultancy basis, at least on, 
for the time being anyway. Um, I have absolutely no problem with this as long as Ralph Raniak in his role as either manager or you know consultant um runs the football department um arnold and all the staff can bring in all the commercial deals they want if they are prepared to allow ralph and john john merta and so on to run the football department as long as that's the case then yeah everything's looking rosier uh, so what is your thoughts on all of that then yep completely agree with everything you just said kyle I mean, if you take if you take the whole uh, the whole structure of the club um, and how you know you would kind of want it to be run, you know, the football and the commercial side of things are kind of they're kind of cyclical. You know, the two are kind of supposed to feed into each other, but there is supposed to be a bit of a split. And like you said, you know, I think that's been the issue for the last number of years under Woodward. Is that Woodward is primarily a commercial man who's who's whose expertise and his background is in the commercial side of things, but you know, for whatever reason, he's he's been heavily involved. In the football side of things, and that I think that has been a big part of the problem. Um, but when I say it's cyclical, what I mean is that um, the commercial side is what feeds the ability to buy the players that you need, and that is supposed to then in turn increase your revenue because you have a more successful full squad, which gets you know guaranteed Champions League football wins, trophies, you know players become commercially viable and all that. So the two things should work together, but they should be certainly segregated. And like you said. Um, yeah, if, if Arnold and Woodward stand around, so to speak, in some consultancy role, I have absolutely no issue with that um, because the, if they keep the commercial side strong, that gives uh, Raniak, um and Darren Fletcher and uh, yeah, whoever else, um, whoever's, if there's going to be a new manager at the end of the year, whoever that, that's going to be, that gives them the, the financial might to be able to, to recruit the players that they need to be successful on the pitch. And if that happens, yeah, I'm all for it. So uh, in principle, it sounds like a good good idea like you say you just want the football side and the commercial side to, to stay split uh, if that happens hopefully think things will be good yeah in theory things seem to be looking a bit rosier in terms of how the club is going to be run um but that's wait and see how it develops obviously even if this does turn out to be the case and you know the football side of the club is run in a in a more you know, professional manner. Um, obviously, the the lingering problem of the debt will still be there, and I don't think the Glazers are, are ever going to make any friends among the supporters. But anyway, uh, we'll move on to the fact that there has been another recruitment in the the coaching staff, um, and that is Ewan Sharp. Uh, he's a Scottish coach. He's previously worked alongside Chris Ornas at Toronto and. Um, also Red Bull New York and um, and most recently he's worked at Locomotive Moscow with Ralph himself so again he, he's very familiar to Ralph, someone that he obviously trusts he, he, looking at the, the photograph of him that United released today, he looks like a very young man, you know a bit like the man he's replacing, um, Kieran McKenna who's now a pitch manager and we wish him the best of luck Um one thing that I've got to say about this, I, I don't really know much about these coaches that Ralph is bringing in, but one thing that I am happy about is that the job for the boys policy seems to be in at United. Um, we're, lying, the, the, we're bringing in a manager uh, from Germany who obviously has a big reputation. You know, he's he's, a, he's, a, he's been a teacher for the likes of Klopp and Tuchel and uh, he's invented the, the gag and pressing style of football and he's He's won honours as well, and he's he's built clubs from top to bottom. 
Um, and that's a positive for bringing in a guy like that. He's a bit of a you know, philosopher when it comes to football. And he's bringing in coaches that we don't know about, you know, people that he trusts. Um, they obviously, the policy of giving former United players jobs as managers and coaches and so on, it, it's failed ultimately. So I'm glad to see that we're moving on from that. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I mean, you know, you know me. I'm I'm kind of old school. I, I get quite sad about little bit players that play for the club, and um, you know, I always say that uh, I want the club to be successful, and it's an added bonus for me if the person that that is taking the club forward and being successful happens to be a face that I already know and, and I already kind of you know like or care about. It's an added bonus, but it it absolutely you know doing well has to come first. And like you said, Kyle, unfortunately. Yeah, despite what fans like me may have wanted um previous regimes which had more of these kind of players who've been around legends of the club so to speak um it, it just wasn't really happening um in many ways you kind of hit on it there what i quite like about ranyuk and about and some of these appointments is that um they are under the radar ranyuk himself in a sense is under the radar you know he's got a massive reputation in football but he's not one of these stellar you know, pin up poster boy coaches, you know, like Guardiola or Mourinho or, or you know, or even Klopp and Furness wasn't for, for until recently either. And I kind of like that, you know, it, it, I think there's there's more depth and substance to him. And I hope um, that these coaches, uh, and I'm assuming that they are, they're not big names, they're not people who are coming to be flashy and, you know, to kind of, you know, show the fans that things are going to be good because they've got a name. Like you said, you know, it's more workmanlike, a bit more kind of measured and thought out. So, yeah, I agree. I think, um, I, think <laughs> I think that it seems like a positive thing. Um, and Ranick certainly seems to know what he's doing. So if he trusts these guys, then, yeah, as a fan, uh, I think we should put our faith in him that, he, that he's doing the right thing and uh, give these guys our backing. Yeah, because he should be allowed to bring in his own staff because it doesn't make sense for simply just to, re- to replace Solskjaer with Ranick and just have the same coaches there. You need to have a, a you no know, totally clear the decks and and start a new regime and that seems what's happening. Although my feeling is still hanging on there. Um, I don't know why. Um, obviously he's not as wealthy as Michael Carrick because you no know, footballers in his day weren't paid as much. So I mean he's just not feeling financially secure enough to resign. So he's going to hang on till he's sacked. And we know what the hierarchy are like when it comes to saving money. So no doubt he'll be there until either gets another job or they relieve him of his duties. But even Ralph himself seemed to indicate that Mike isn't, that he certainly isn't coaching on training ground. And I, I, I really don't know. There was question marks over what he did when Solskjaer was there. And now there's even more question marks. So I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to happen there. He just, he seemed to be, he's going to stick around anyway to the end of the season. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe he just needs the money. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I would say so. Um, okay. Um also that it's come out just in the last 24 hours is that Fabrizio Romano has been saying that United have sent a scout to Argentina to watch Julian Alvarez, the River Plate striker who's been pulling up trees down there. And he's off, he's a young lad and man, he's got a great goal scoring record and a, lot of, a number of assists as well. Um, so again, I do like this thinking outside the box. Obviously, Erling Holland, like we talked about, is the most obvious signing in Europe when it comes to strikers. Um, but you know we've had six, we've had success in the past of bringing in these unknown strikers, and they've turned out to be gems. You know, Solskjaer himself being an example, and Chigarito. Yeah. So, what do you think about that one? 
Yeah, I think, you, yeah, just what you said there, Kyle. I mean, um, you know, you look at his record. Yeah, I can't remember his, his number of goals, but I mean, it's, it's clearly not on the level of Holland, but he does have quite a number of assists. And I think his assists were 15 or 16 in not sure how many games. But yeah, no, I think his, I think his record's pretty good. Um, one thing I, I always liked without throwing in a stereotype is that you do find that a lot of the South American players, you know, they're usually quite tough and they usually work really hard. Um, Tevez, you know, was a prime example, and Aguero as well. And they always... I always find they seem to adapt uh, pretty well um, to the Premier League. So, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be a good signing. He's young that as well. I think he's only 22 or 23, um, slightly older than Holland, but not only by a year or two. Um, yeah, he looks like a, like a player that, um, that could come in and, and do well. Um, like, you, like you said, there, he's not, he's not going to be in the top two or three strikers in the world the way Holland maybe will. But um, certainly, yeah, he... he <coughs> We're, we're not trying to build a team of Galacticos by any means, so I don't think we should be just looking for the Hollands of this world. Um, we should, you know, we should be looking at some of these um, unknown players. And again, as you rightly point out, Kat, I think that's one of Ranić's strengths. Um, and look at some other teams. Uh, you know, and some of the other coaches have been successful in recent years. You know, it's not all. It's about building a, a team structure and a balanced structure. It's not just about bringing in names. So, um, yeah, yeah, he look, looks on paper like a pretty decent, decent footballer. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think he's. Again, just like Kamara at Marseille, he's he's attracting a whole lot of interest around Europe. So, yeah, it's good to see that we're you know scouting unknown players and thinking outside the box. And you know, sometimes those players can 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 work out better signings than than, than the Galacticos. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with that. Just one thing that I believe is that we won't actually try to sign a striker until the summer. Um, because that's when Cavani will be leaving, and you know Martial would probably leave either in January or in the summer. And um, right now we're obviously stacked in forward positions, so I don't think we'll sign anyone like that until a couple of people go out, and that's likely to be the summer. Um, yeah. So what about and uh, the Newcastle game itself? Um, it's going to be very very hard to pick a team now because. Obviously, the players have been off sick for a while now, and it's going to be a case of who's going to be available for the for the game on the twenty seventh. Um, as of today, I think there's been sixteen outfield players have returned to training and two keepers. Um, so that will definitely be enough to be able to bring a squad to the northeast. Um, but we're still at the mercy. Of a potential outbreak in Newcastle, you know, we could get all excited thinking our players were back and uh, we're going to see a match game for the first time in two weeks, and then it could end up being an outbreak in Newcastle, and that's it. It's off. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a disaster at the minute. It really is a bit of a disaster, and it's unfortunate too because you know you're hearing about oh games being called off, and usually when that happens, your immediate reaction is oh well, you know that gives time for you know Lexa Ranić to yeah. Uh, you know, push the system and have a bit more time to train. But when it's a COVID outbreak, unfortunately, you can't train either. So it's um yeah, it's just this is not really ideal at all. Um, it's hard to know what team if the game does go ahead that that he would go with. Um, he's clearly been experimenting. You know, the last couple of weeks and trying to find um you know the best of what he has to work with and um, while he plans for what 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 he what he's going to need. Um, but yeah, COVID is unfortunately kind of just made things so uncertain. Uh, I think it was the German league, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly, that has um, forced games behind closed doors again, um, if, if I'm quoting that right. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a, what's going on, unfortunately, uh, with the Somicron variant, we've gone into kind of uncertain times a wee bit again. 
Um, so yeah, I won't be surprised if more games just get called off. Yeah, obviously, they're going to do their best for the games to go on, and it's going to come to the wire. But yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen over the next the next day or next day or two or week or so. Yeah. So normally on like a preview show, we would you know both of us would decide which team we think is going to take to the field. And um, obviously, that's just impossible right now. Um, it's just going to come down to who's fit and available. And um, to be honest, I'll just be happy to have a game. I don't really care, you know, who plays at this point. Um, just no. want to have a game and get three points on the board. Um, because obviously we're falling behind other teams now. Um, we've got games in hand that we want to win. Um, yeah, it just it seems as if Anthony Martial. We talked about him the last time you were on. It seems as if he's going to leave in January, probably on loan. Um. To, uh, to to obviously impress on the sixth month loan spell and hopefully someone will buy him at the end of that. Um, Newcastle, I could see why he, do, he wouldn't want to go permanently to Newcastle because they could quite easily go down this season. They I think are offering a six million uh, loan payment to take him on loan and, and pay his full wages, but he seems to be more interested in going to Sevilla. Uh, for some reason. Um, although they are second in the league at the moment, so maybe see the, the attraction there. And happy for him to do that, but I'm I'm, I'm skeptical that Sevilla in June would be able to buy him um, at at the cost of what United would be charging. Um, so would the, if United maybe United could offer a cut price thirty million or something in June, um, if and. If Sevilla want to take him permanently, but it does seem like he's going to go on loan in January. So, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the right thing. Um, I've talked in your podcast quite a number of times, Kyle, about what I think about Anthony Martial, and he, he will go down in history for me. Certainly, his United career is uh, kind of unfulfilled potential. Um, the guy is I don't know. I mean, he he's got the ability to be a great player. I've said that so so many times. Um. You know, for his own sake, I hope that he goes somewhere and he finds himself a bit happier and he actually starts to fulfil a bit of his potential. Yes, that happens to be very disappointed that he didn't do it for us at United, but um, I think for himself, that's that's what he needs to do. In terms of where he would want to go or where he should choose to go, yeah, I think you covered it pretty well there. I mean, Newcastle, obviously, have just come into quite a lot of money, but like you said, you know, you can't turn things around immediately. And the Premier League is arguably the most difficult league in Europe, if not around the world. So there is every chance that they're still going to get relegated this year. Um, but you know they'll be back because they've got the money to be back. Um, and, but some players may not want it, as you say, go permanently now and uh, take the risk of having to play um, a season in the uh, in the Championship. On the plus side for players going there, the fact that Newcastle have so much money means that they may still be able to fund big wage packets yeah, uh, even if the team went down in the championship, which would maybe be a little bit of advantage for them over other clubs who went down without the kind of same revenue. Uh, but players again would have to would have to um take a hit in their own minds at least, knowing that they're not going to be playing the Premier League for a season or, or two or however long it's going to take. Um so yeah, I mean for Martial it's more it's a more real, realistic prospect of a permanent move if he goes to Newcastle as opposed to Sevilla, um, for the financial reasons you just pointed out. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, but yeah, maybe you want to go to Sevilla, thinking that he's got a chance of winning a, a trophy or you know yeah, finishing high in the league or whatever. Um, but um, but yeah, New, Newcastle could be a good move, and it means he wouldn't have to leave England. But you know, again, you'd understand if he just maybe feels like he needs a fresh start, get out of England, and have a kind of a clean break from 
United and you know his career going the wrong direction and maybe put things back on track. So, um, but yeah, whatever he does, good luck to him. Uh, I think unfortunately he's just he would never uh, has never gone to it at Man United, which is a shame. Um, but I hope he does well wherever he goes. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, the one issue with players going out on loan is that they tend to come back on their backup for pre season. Um, they don't want to be there. United don't really want them there, and it just causes a problem. Um. Once if once we sign players out on loan, we want them to do well, and then hopefully that club signs them permanently. Because always otherwise going to end up with an Andres Pereira situation, where he goes out on loan every season, and then he comes back and and he's there playing in pre-season. We know he's not going to be part of the plans for the, for the oncoming season. So let's just once once players go out on loan, you know. Don't there's no point in bringing them back. They're going out alone for a reason because they're not integral parts of the first team squad anymore. So if Marcel goes to Vio and Newcastle, yeah, let's hope that he doesn't come back for preseason. We let's let's move on for good. Um I'm sure he probably has ambitions to play for France in the Qatar World Cup, and that's probably why he wouldn't want a permanent move to Newcastle, because I mean, there's like an 80% chance they're going to go down and that World Cup would take place while Newcastle are in the championship. So he'll not be picked for that if that's the case. Um, so at Via, where he has a chance of actually winning the Liga, um, th- that obviously would represent a better route into the France team. Um, one surprising bit of news, um, considering what we've heard recently, is that Jesse Lingard is not going to go in January now. He wants to stay and fight for his place under Ralph Ranyuk. Um this is what I expected actually from the start. Um when Ranyuk came in, because given the gagging present style of football, I thought Lingard would fit that absolutely perfectly. So I'm not surprised that he's now changed his mind about leaving because Solskjaer wasn't really giving him a chance. Um he was having an impact from the bench and still not starting games. I don't think he started a game since January 2020 in the Premier League. Um, so you can see why he, he was a bit cheesed off and was considering his future. Um, but there's a fresh start for him now, as there is for everybody. And you know, he, he fancies you know his chances of impressing the manager. So, what do you think about that then? Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I mean, I again, um, I've criticized Lingard many times in the past. You know, I, I still don't, you know, I don't think that he's he's not going to be, you know, Paul Scholes level, you know, or anything like that. He's just, he's just never going to be, but, but he is a, he is a high tempo footballer. He, he works really, really hard. Um, you can never say that he doesn't, you know, uh, put the effort in uh, regardless of, of um, performance. And, 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 and in fairness to him, you know, he does have a habit um, of kind of popping up whenever he feels kind of, um, you know, he's something to prove and he does have a habit of popping up and kind of proving it. So, yeah, I think, I think every player, you know, should be given a chance on the run, as you say, Kyle, and, and the fact that um, you know Lingard does work so hard and is the kind of guy that presses, you know, you would think that he does suit um, Ranić's kind of style of football. So yeah, hundred percent agree that it makes uh, it makes sense that he that he would stay in Factor's place. And we can just come back to what we said about Martial. By the way, just um, and just in general about players going on, on loan and, and moving on, is that um, and I know I've played it on about this before, like a bit of a broken record. But you know, the biggest barrier to players moving on, in my opinion, has been policy at the club of always getting you know a certain amount of money for players and um you know giving them big contracts you know whenever we all thought that they should have not got a new contract so that they they could command a big fee when they go uh, and and given that everything we talked about at the start of the podcast about you know the kind of a shift in 
you know, who's going to be doing what at kind of board or, um, you know, that, that kind of uh, strategic level at the club. I really hope that priority will be put now on making sure that Randick has the best possible squad of footballers that he needs and, you know, accepting that that might mean taking a bit of a hit on, say, getting a fee for Martial that, you know, if you wanted a £30 million fee for him, maybe you're not going to get that because, you know, clubs just aren't willing to pay it and, and understanding that, you know, making that money or not taking a small amount of loss on a player is is less important than making sure that the squad is 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 fit for purpose. Um, so just to say, you know, in general, I just hope that that shift's going to happen. Um, in realistic um terms, you know, it can't happen all the time, but I think it needs to be the priority. Um, but yeah, absolutely, I think players I'd want to see players fighting for their places. Uh, like Lingard's talking about, that's what you really want to see. Um, and yeah, the more players that do that, the better. Uh, you want a squad of hungry players, so that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think Ralph Ronick likes to assume full control when he's at a football club. And uh, I don't think he'll accept anything less at United. So he should be given full control of who leaves and who goes and who gets new contracts. And that'll be a sensible way forward for, let's say, quote, business as well. Um, exactly. Because you can't have, you know, hangers on at the club that they can't get rid of. Phil Jones being the prime example. You know, it was an excuse to give him a new deal in early 2019 and he's hardly played a game since. So... They obviously don't know what they're doing when it comes to giving player contracts. Let's hand those decisions over to the professionals and then it'll be a better run business. So, yeah, Lingard, in my opinion, I don't think he'll ever be a regular at United. Um, I don't th- he wants to be playing at a club and, you know, ideally United, where he plays every game. But I th- the quality of the forwards that we've got and the tagging midfielders we've got, I don't see any way that he's going to become uh, a you know, a regular in, on the team sheet. But then again, <laughs> um, 10, 12 years ago, when we were a very successful team, winning leagues and Champions Leagues, you know, Deeson Park was an integral part of the team, as was Doran Fletcher. So, the, the, Malfrenic might not decide to play all the Galacticos. He might prefer, you know, some Galacticos and some workman-like players. So, there is potential there, maybe, for Lingard to to get himself into the team and, you know, earn a new contract? Or what 100%. Do 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, and we, we've talked about this game quite a lot since Ryan came in, you know, and talking about balance and talking about, you know, the squad has been out of balance and, you know, too many players in, in the same position and, you know, not having the kind of a, a squad that complements each other. So, as you rightly said, Kyle, you know, it, it's, it's sort of fairly simple, basic stuff, you know, in football is that, um, you know, you got to have a squad that complements each other. Uh, and United, over the years, as you just said, and through, through our most successful periods, we were never a Galacticos team. You know, we never have been. Um, you know, teams that are successful now, you know, Liverpool being an example, aren't a Galacticos team. You don't need to be a team full of Galacticos. So absolutely, there's room. Uh, there's more than room. There, there's, a, there's an absolute need for uh, workman-like players are going to put a shift in, going to win the ball for you, you know, going to make the, the right pass at the right time, you know, to give it to a Galactico, for example, or whatever, you know, you know, these guys are still quality footballers. Uh, we can't forget that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's room for players like uh, Lingard, and I think we uh, we have to have them. Again, you know, you don't want too many of the similar player, 
um, you know, workman like, and I don't want too many Galacticos either. So it's about that balance. But you know, Rannick is an expert in football. I'm not, um, you know, and I'm sure he'll know that, and and he'll know that there's certainly room for players like Lingard, uh, and it's all about just staking their claim, really, isn't it? So, um, yeah, be interesting to see who who, who kind of steps up to that mark and who and who gets moved on. Okay, one thing that I am looking forward to in terms of the Newcastle game is the potential return of Varane and Cavani. Both of them would get into my starting eleven if you know, in terms of the whole squad, if I was picking eleven players to take to the field, them two would get in my team every day of the week. And we haven't had too many opportunities this season where both of them have been playing. So um yeah, I'm really hoping to see them two line up uh, at St James Park. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah, first uh, first two or three names of the team sheet these days have to be Varane, number one, uh, De Gea and Nets. And yep, I'd have Cavani there all day long. Uh, love Cavani. Uh, always saying this. He just, everything about him, it just oozes class. Uh, it's just a shame we didn't get him five or ten years ago. Because, um, uh, yeah, you know, the guy's um, he's coming to the tail end of his career. But he's absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's never been a game he hasn't played, he's played that he hasn't put in an absolute top drawer shift. Um, stretched defences, made good moves, intelligent, uh, influences those around him. Yep, totally agree, Kyle. I would uh, I'd have Cavani starting all day long. And yeah, and those people said that he couldn't play alongside Ronaldo. Uh, and I can't remember what game that was they played, but they did really well. Uh, two workhorses like that who've got ability uh, can always play together. Um, as they always say, quality footballers can always play together. Um, I'd have him there all day long, 100%. Yeah, it was the Tottenham game and United won 3 0. And um, I think that was the only win that Solskjaer managed in his last what, six weeks in charge. So it just shows you what them two can do, even when you, you have a squad of players who who are no longer believing in the manager and things are falling apart. When you have them two in the team, you know, it's still possible to get results. So we want to see more of them playing together. Um, Obviously, Cavani's not going to be here any longer than June, so we want to see that as much as possible. So whenever he's fit, he has to play. He's going to press all day long. Take the pressure off Ronaldo. He will press when he can. And obviously, the midfielders will, will be doing a lot of that too. So, yeah, it's definitely exciting. And, and Varane obviously makes us a lot stronger at the back. You know, we've got two attacking fullbacks now who are first choice. And um, Wan-Bissaka's future obviously looks in doubt now because the width will be coming from the fullbacks. And as we know, he's very limited going forward. So, yeah, it looks, uh, as soon as Rania can get this team to adopt to his methods and his style of play and decide on his first 11, then, then hopefully we'll start to pick up results and get the ball rolling. 100%. Yep. Things are looking looking pretty positive. Like, say, if we can ever get out of this, this COVID situation and manage to kind of, Yep, get the games up and run again, get players fit, um, and get Ranić uh, able to train guys and uh, put his system in place and, and choose the guys in the team that best fit that and his uh, kind of way of working. Um, yep, hopefully things will be on on the upward trajectory, Kyle. So fingers crossed for for a good season. No, another thing I find very interesting that's happening at the moment, according to Liverpool fans, we are a mid-table team. We don't, we're not a threat to any of the top teams. Um, all the English teams apparently have a chance of winning the Champions League, except us. We're just complete no-hopers. Yet they spend like they seem to spend more time on Twitter talking about us than they do about their own team. And yeah, they're just totally obsessed, aren't they? 
Now, some things never change, Kyle. I think I think we know that's been going on for a long time, and that that will always continue. At the end of the at the end of the day, all I would say to that is Manchester United are a mid table club. Okay, you have a look at the table. We're sitting roughly mid table, but everybody knows Manchester United's nowhere near a mid table club. United are a club of winners, and we're just taking. It's just going to take some time to get back there, but we're always aiming for that. That that's always going to be the end result at, at one stage or another. So, look. At the end of the day, it's all about a crack, so it's all good. Okay, everybody join us live. I hope you enjoyed the show. And please leave us a wee thumbs up on the video and subscribe to the channel. And we'll see everyone after the Newcastle game. Um, no doubt I'll be here. Um, Chris will be joining me again at some point uh, over the festive period. I'm not sure if the Newcastle uh, review or not. But okay, Chris, I really enjoyed the show. And we'll see you again in sometime in the next couple of weeks. You too, Kyle. Chat soon. Yep. Have a good Christmas.